Section three of Hypatia by John Toland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Chapter thirteen. It would be as great a prodigy in nature as Hypatia was herself if a lady of such beauty modesty wisdom and virtue were not by many eagerly sought in marriage and in effect we find that she was actually married to the philosopher isidorus though sweetus says she died a maid which is not so irreconcilable a thing as people may be apt to imagine on first thoughts but as we shall show very likely to be true this Isidorus succeeded Marinus in the school, and his life has been written by Damascius, one of Theon's scholars, who therefore had all imaginable opportunities to know whatever regarded Hypatia and Isidorus. His life was abridged by Photius, but we have it not so perfect as he left it for besides the extreme confusion and incorrectness which appears through the whole the learned valesius gave the world expectations that he would one time or other publish it twice larger than we read now in photius however in such as it still is damascius bestows such elegies on isidorus as put him almost above humanity yet no way concerning hypatia i pass them over in silence i frankly confess that i more than suspect many of the things he reports as knowing that damascius was a great visionary and like philostratus with respect to apollonius tianius designed to oppose isidorus to those christian saints who were celebrated for their miraculous and supernatural attainments but this ought not to affect his credit in matters of an ordinary nature and therefore i do not in the least hesitate to believe him when he positively affirms that hypatia was wife to isidorus chapter fourteen sweetus likewise makes her the wife of the same isidorus though he be the very man who tells us she died a virgin that matter considering the great uncertainty in which we are left by the meditated destruction or casual decay of authentic writers i conceive to stand thus damascius says that isidorus had another wife whose name was domna by which he had a son called proclus she died the fifth day after her delivery and according to his panegyrist she rid the philosopher of an evil beast and a bitter wedlock now supposing this to happen some time before the tragical end of hypatia and that the latter was betrothed to isidorus it might very well be said that she was his wife and yet that she died a maid the author of an epigram that was made upon her seems to have been of the same opinion the virgin's starry sign whene'er i see adoring on thy words i think and thee for all thy virtuous works celestial are as are thy learned words beyond compare divine hypatia who dost far and near virtues and learning's spotless star appear 
the allusion i say to the constellation virgo and the epithet of spotless would induce me to believe that the writer reckoned her a virgin as well as sweetest but i shall conclude nothing from so slender a conjecture besides that her character is no way concerned in this particular though as a historian i would omit nothing that might illustrate my subject for this reason it is that i cannot pass over uncensured a reflection of damascius who gravely says that isidorus was far superior to hypatia not only as a man to a woman but as a philosopher to a geometrician good and egregious reasoning as if her skill in geometry or astronomy had been any hindrance to her improvement in every part of philosophy wherein she is by so many confessed to surpass those of her own if not of former time or as if we in england for example did reckon king james superior to queen elizabeth because the first forsooth was a man and the last a woman but i observed before that damascius was a sad visionary chapter fifteen a lady of such uncommon merit and accomplishments as hypatia daily surround with a circle of young gentlemen many of them distinguished by their fortune or quality besides her frequently appearing in public assemblies and receiving visits from persons of the first rank could not possibly fail being sometimes importuned with addresses of gallantry such attempts the severest virtue cannot avoid though it can deny encouragement and make success to be despaired how many trials of this kind hypatia may have overcome we are left to imagine rather than to know through the silence of historians who either thought it below their gravity to record such things or that the works of those who descended to particulars are lost one instance however has escaped the common wreck of good books nor can i doubt but several others might be contained in the life of isidorus out of which there is reason to believe that sweetus picked what i am going to relate he acquaints us therefore that one of her own scholars made warm love to her whom she endeavoured to cure of his passion by the precepts of philosophy and that some reported she actually reclaimed him by music which he judiciously explodes music having ever been deemed rather an incentive to love than an antidote against it but he says with much greater probability that the spark vehemently soliciting her not to be sure without pleading the irresistible power of her beauty at a time when she happened to be under an indisposition ordinary to her sex she took a handkerchief of which she had been making some use on that occasion and throwing it in his face said this is what you love young fool and not anything that is beautiful for the platonic philosophers held goodness wisdom virtue and such other things as by reason of their intrinsic worth are desirable for their own sakes to be the only real beauties of whose divine symmetry charms and perfection 
the most superlative that appears in bodies are but faint resemblances this is the right notion of platonic love wherefore hypatia's procedure might very well put a student of philosophy at alexandria to the blush and quite cure him too which sweetus assures us was the effect but would never rebuke a beau in st james park nor perhaps some bachelors of divinity at our modern universities chapter sixteen at the time that hypatia thus reigned the brightest ornament of alexandria orestes was governor of the same place for the emperor theodosius and cyril bishop or patriarch as orestes was a person educated suitable to his rank he could not but take notice of those perfections in hypatia which all the world admired and as he was a wise governor he would not be so far wanting to his charge as not to ask her advice in matters difficult or dangerous when everybody else consulted her as an oracle this created of course an intimacy between them that was highly displeasing to cyril who mortally hated orestes but because this emulation proved fatal to hypatia i shall take the subject a little higher tis observed by socrates nicephorus and others that cyril who was elevated to the sea by sedition and force against one timothy an archdeacon of no extraordinary reputation intermeddled more in temporal or civil matters than his predecessors took upon them to do and that the example was greedily followed by his successors who not keeping within the bounds of their priestly ordination took upon them an arbitrary kind of principality and the absolute disposal of affairs the first act of authority that cyril exercised was to shut up the churches of the novations from which step he proceeded to seize upon their sacred vessels and church ornaments till at length he robbed their bishop theopemptus of all he had yet these novations profess the same doctrine to a title that he did and differed only in some points of discipline but they must be near novices in ecclesiastical history who know not that discipline has been ever reckoned of greater consequence than doctrine if one may judge by the commotions that have happened in churches or the durations of their schisms the reason is obvious for if a man believes otherwise than his teacher and yet prudentially conforms to the public ritual and discipline or perhaps eagerly stickles for it as thinking it the most conducing to order be his speculations what you will still he preserves the unity of the church or in other words he obeys his spiritual governors and teaches others by his example to do the like whereas if his belief be ever so right or at least ever so agreeable to that prescribed in the society whereof he is a member yet if he boggles at any part of the public ritual and discipline he then promotes a spiritual rebellion and rends the unity of the church that is he weakens the government of the clergy 
these were the maxims of those times and hence it sprung that schism is counted so damnable a sin in their writings a sin more dreadful than any other that it may the better serve for a scarecrow chapter seventeen one main reason why cyril could not bear the governor as we are told by socrates was that orestes hated the principality of the bishops as well because they transferred to themselves much of the power belonging to those appointed governors by the emperor as in particular because cyril would needs be prying into his actions their enmity became sufficiently known to the public by a sedition raised against orestes occasioned by one hyrax a pitiful schoolmaster but a professed admirer of the bishop and a most diligent attendant at his sermons where he was sure to clap and reclap according to the rare custom of those times the jews spying him in the theatre while the governor was there on some public business cried out that he came purposely thither to cause mischief and the uproar whereof the particulars may be read in the just quoted socrates terminated in this that cyril expelled all the jews out of the city where they had lived in great opulence from the time of alexander the great to the no small benefit of the place were i not accustomed to read monstrous lies of this unfortunate nation especially that threadbare fiction of crucifying a child objected to them here as a thousand times afterwards i should think them very rightly served but even in that case who can justify cyril's licensing the multitude to seize on their goods and yet why do i ask such a question when this has ever been the true motive of the barbarities to which they have been exposed though zeal for religion has been as shamelessly as wickedly pretended orestes as became a good governor being grievously concerned at what had happened to speak in the words of the historian and sadly afflicted that so great a city should be so suddenly emptied of such a multitude of inhabitants gave the emperor an account of the whole matter we might be certain were we not expressly told it that cyril was not behind hand on his part yet conscious of his guilt as every reader may collect he would fain make up with orestes and conjured him by the holy gospels to be friends being constrained to this as nicephorus observes by the people of alexandria who loved their governor but this last knew him too well to trust him upon which their difference became irreconcilable you may therefore expect to hear of vengeance from the priest whom the same nicephorus represents proud seditious a boothfu, a persecutor while the emperor might thank himself for the disorders that desolated one of his principal cities for where was it ever otherwise when the clergy were permitted to share in the government of civil affairs end of section three